0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, Tishao Ik. It's Friday evening. Quite a rainy, cloudy one out there. It's brightening now. It's brightening up because you're in the studio, Dr. George Oh, that is very kind. And also our
1: other guests as well, I'm sure.
0: Yes, um, we've got a very serious topic today, George. um, But I'm hoping that we can make it um, accessible and relevant to our listeners. Because Mm -hmm. I think this is something that um, affects everyone, isn't it? Indeed. We're talking about mental health. Indeed. World Mental Health Day is celebrated um, every year on the 10th of uh, October. Mm -hmm. Um, 10-10. 1010 um I think this year's World mental health day might have been eclipsed a little bit by some things that happened yes but I think we still want to have this conversation very important yes yeah, so um last Friday budget 2023 was tabled and uh, mental health did receive uh, quite a visible mention mm-hmm. um, notably 34 million ringgit was allocated for the establishment of a national mental health center of excellent excellence and we also saw a total of 413. 0.58 million ringgit allocated for the mental health and psychiatry program that comes under Ministry of Health Services. And mm-hmm. there's been so much news um, about improving services for mental health as well. Even uh, recently, uh, Minister of Health KJ announced that there will be a new helpline mm. for mental health called Talian Heal, H-E-L. Mm. It's got a nice name there.
1: All heading the right direction.
0: Yes, um, and no, I hope so. And, uh, you know, what we want to talk about today is uh, we, we are mindful, of course, that Parliament has been dissolved, but eventually a new budget will be retabled when the new government is voted in.
1: Possibly a revamp of the current one. I mean, you Or even better, we'll have more money, you know, uh, allocated to mental health.
0: So, I mean, I think why not have that discussion right now Importantly. about um, where investments, uh, why investments in mental health are important and where they can go to to improve uh, support and services for people. Joining us for this very important discussion, Professor Dr. Andrew Mohan Raj, a clinical psychiatrist and a, the president of the Malaysian Mental Health Association. Dr. Andrew, how are you today?
2: Very well, thank you. Good to be here. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so if you have any questions for uh, Dr. Andrew when it comes to mental health or if you'd like to share your thoughts about mental health issues, call us zero three double seven double three two nine hundred You can also WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine or tweet us at BfM radio. I think to start with a very, very big picture look, Dr. Andrew, um, I want to quote the Director General of the WHO. He actually said this last year, but it's um, it's so relevant. Dr. Tedros said that World Mental Health Day is an opportunity for the world to begin redressing the historic neglect of mental health. Very, very strong words there. Um, I'm wondering what you think about it. And especially when we look at mental health through the lens of policymaking, budgeting, resource allocation? Has it been neglected? And are you seeing improvements?
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I think Dr Tedros used those strong words and rightly so uh, to refer to the you know, historical situation of mental health and how mental health services were, were, were provided and how the provision of mental health and psychiatric services were abused uh, in the past, leading to neglect, uh, human rights abuses, and things like that. So, and that still continues in many parts of the world. Uh, we do see people still chained and shackled simply because uh, you know they remain psychotic and they do not have access to uh, antipsychotic medications, which are which can be as cheap as uh, 25 cents a day. Uh, so therefore Dr. Tedros' uh, remarks uh, does make sense. Even uh, but today when you talk about uh, oh shackles yes, I'm and chains. So this still happens. I have seen it personally in my work in Aceh um, in Indonesia and it continues even in, in in other neighboring countries in the region. It's sad, but it's true. And um, so, but in our context, if you talk about, you know, what is the impact on mental health or if it is is neglected um, as a result of poor budgetary allocation, for sure, if you look at one of the barriers or the main barriers to accessibility of mental health care is service provision. Therefore, when budgetary allocation is inadequate or seen to be inadequate, this would lead to less accessibility to mental health care. Um, additionally, it could also be less funds for research and awareness programs.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Dr. Andrew, perhaps you can give us some idea um, how much of that allocation uh, currently, uh, you know, as far as healthcare is concerned, a uh, proportion of that is actually allocated to uh, mental health and what difference would the uh, most recent budget announcement actually make and what sort of increment are we talking about here?
2: Yeah, there is a marginal increment. Um, The the current budget is allocated is in the 2023 budget is 413.58 million. I think it is a a small increase from the previous budget. I'm not sure the actual figures, but it was 300 odd million. Uh, But it is now a significant increase or an increase in the budget is good news, of course, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is uh, more important to, to see uh, how, in, in, in proportionate terms, how much of this would be for emoluments and uh, uh, and service provision and how much would it be for prevention measures. So I'm afraid when we look at the budget uh we need to see, has there been any tangible service uh, increase in service uh, provision? And I suspect in the region budget, there seems to be an increase. But as I said, it's probably more towards emoluments and treatments uh, rather than, you know, uh, for or prevention, which but, is very mm, important.
0: Okay. But... The emoluments, you know, which covers human resources uh, yes. and the services, that that's what you were talking about as a current and mm. probably still very pressing barrier when it comes to access, isn't it? What's the landscape like, um, Dr. Andrew, when it comes to uh, the provision of mental health services, especially in the public sector?
2: Okay. Now, uh, you know, we uh, our, our services are actually quite widespread. For certain, every uh, a major hospital at the state level does have a psychiatric unit. When I mean when I say psychiatric unit, I mean uh, outpatient services um, and and inpatient services. Now, the other there are other hospitals as well in the country, so we do have a uh, you know technically a widespread. Um, uh, uh, service centers as far as infrastructure is concerned. And this is in addition to the services provided in the community mental health centers throughout the country. Uh, We have, I think about 19 uh, such community centers uh, throughout the country. And it is also planned for these centers to be set up in more places. And uh, uh, another level of service is what we see in the primary care centres in the clinical kesehatan as well. So uh, in terms of services, they are there. But how accessible these services are is, is something that we need to be concerned about. Um, Would you like to
1: elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I mean, how accessible?
2: Yeah, in, in terms of the waiting uh, period in, in the public sector, public hospitals is quite um, it can be uh, frustrating uh, at times. Um, and so while we know there are psychiatric services or mental health services, although I must say it's largely center based, um, and I think we can uh, really tweak the system a little bit without having the pressure, of trying to increase resources in terms of increasing the number of mental health professionals at the hospitals. And what I'm trying to say is I think there must be uh, some efforts to to uh, scale up services at the community level. So increasing the number of community mental health centers would certainly help. Now, uh, it, at the pusat or uh, the clinic, Kasihatans, we do have uh, many clinic Kasihatans here uh, in our country, which are headed by a, uh, a family medicine specialist. Uh, so the trend is towards that, to place family medicine specialists in bigger uh, clinic Clinicusians, and these family medicine specialists actually, um, you know, uh, uh, diagnose and follow up many of the uh, cases that would otherwise go to the hospital, and then you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, 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 really? preventing the bottleneck here at the at the hospital. So we should look at those kind of interventions, as well as uh, uh, the the community mental health uh, centers, uh, because if you just focused on the number of uh, mental health professionals like psychiatrists and clinical psychologists, uh, it may take some time to to overcome that problem. Although I must say, we have made some progress in recent years, just uh, five or six years ago, our ratio of psychiatrists to the population was something like 110,000. And just in a couple of years, we have now come Mm. down to about 1 in 100,000. We have a long way to go but we are making steps in this direction.
0: Is there an ideal ratio?
2: Okay, that's an absolutely fantastic question because I do see the ideal ratio being uh, you know, spoken about by so many stakeholders here uh, saying that we should have one psychiatrist per 10,000. Now, if you look at WHO's recommendation, they do say that ideal in sort of first world settings that you're supposed to, you know, they recommend that you have one in 10,000. But in the developing country settings, our target is actually one in 50,000, not one in 10,000. Um, so I, I, I'm glad you asked that question. Mm. Just that mm.
0: So maybe more realistically, Malaysia can aim towards one in 50,000.
2: Absolutely. And
0: build up. So I want to uh, get you to elaborate on what kinds of what kinds of investments or capacity building would be needed so that we can strengthen that community and primary care level of uh, mental health services
2: okay now certainly we need to you know at at at, at, at you know at it's a certain top level so to speak you you obviously need to look at uh, doctors taking up the speciality of psychiatry and then choosing to become a psychiatrist. So uh, clearly more and more people are choosing the speciality, but not many of them, not enough of them, uh, of us, are actually uh, uh, showing some interest in becoming a psychiatrist. So that is one, one factor really why we don't see that many people joining the program. But along with that, I think it is also good to focus on other mental health professionals, like clinical psychologists. I mean, we are Dismally low in the numbers of clinical psychologists in the country, and you know when all mental health professionals work together in a very concerted manner, not every case needs to be you know sent to to the psychiatrist's clinic, and therefore clinical psychologists also play a very important role here. Yeah, I think we must focus on that area, and what is often forgotten are mental health social workers and mental health or psychiatric uh, uh, occupational therapists. These are components of a proper mental health care system. Mm -hmm. And somehow we have forgotten that there actually exists a a, a profession called. Mental health social workers, mm, the, the the allied uh,
0: the allied health mm-hmm. uh, professionals yes. that provide the supportive yeah. services around in yeah. within that ecosystem.
2: Absolutely, mm. but often when we speak about allied health, we only think of clinical psychologists and counsellors. But a real a proper system, particularly if we are moving towards a community-based uh, system, then you know medical social workers historically in our country have proven to be the real backbone of mm-hmm. our. Of our, you know, fantastic uh, public health uh, service mm. in the 70s and 80s, and late 60s. Absolutely. Without our social workers, uh, we would not have achieved so much. So the same kind of effort must be made in terms of uh, mental health services.
0: Absolutely. You know, I think this might be the first uh, or, or a rare. A conversation I've had where social workers are brought into mm. the, uh, this uh, issue about uh, mental health uh, in terms be, of the really. human resources, mm-hmm. absolutely to provide their community support um, We are discussing so much here already uh, We're talking about the importance of investing in mental health in conjunction with World Mental Health Day that just passed on the 10th of October We'll go for a quick break and come back to continue this discussion My co-host in the studio with me, Dr George Lee and we're speaking to Professor Dato, Dr Andrew Mohanraj, President of the Malaysian Mental Health Association. We'll be right back on Health & Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik and my co-host for the Doctor in Health segment, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. We're speaking via Zoom to Professor Datu Dr. Andrew Mohanraj, clinical psychiatrist and president of the Malaysian Mental Health Association. We're discussing mental health, but more specifically, putting money into mental health, mm-hmm. um, building up human resources, making sure that it's the right kinds of skilled um, you know, providers that we're looking at as well, um, not just building infrastructure, which which... Um However, is also important in terms of uh, providing services. We haven't even gotten into, um, you know, things like prevention, yes, awareness, uh, and issues like that yet. Yes. Um, but uh, if you have any uh, points that you'd like to raise um, as part of our discussion today, you can call us at zero three double seven double three two nine hundred or WhatsApp zero one eight seven
1: eight nine double eight double nine. Shai, I really hope that you know the listeners out there will actually chip in, and especially the ones who have actually utilized the you know uh, mental health. Services because I have this impression, Andrew, that uh, mental health services, it's in Malaysia, it's more psychiatry led and then. And all you describe makes sense, right? You know, GP with special interest in mental health, counsellors, social workers in the community. But why isn't that happening in Malaysia? Is it simply because uh, we don't have enough people interested or is it simply because not enough money being allocated to the community and all of it seems to be um, training for new batches of psychiatrists? Can you elaborate that a little bit?
2: Well, George, I think the probably, you know, there are two reasons for that and you've given both the reasons really. One is probably our traditional view that mental health equates psychiatry and therefore it must be in, you know, dealt with by psychiatrists. And even the inclusion of clinical psychologists into uh, this equation came in quite late. Um, and therefore, there is always that feeling that it must be led by a psychiatrist. But clearly, we know that uh, along the way there are the other components of this as well to make it a more holistic kind of approach and to really look at it from a mental health perspective, and that too from a public health perspective of mental health rather than a psychiatrist-led hospital-based. Mm-hmm. So there has been that paradigm shift in the thinking, Uh, but somehow it has not been translated uh, into uh, uh, spending uh, or rather paying adequate attention uh, to the training of other components in this, just to to, to make it a more holistic approach. And that's really quite sad because in terms of acceptability, I think there would be a greater uh, deal, a greater level of uptake of services um, and less stigmatizing for sure if you uh if you were to uh, project mental health services as being um uh, you know as as involving different sectors and different mental health professions other than just the psychiatrist
0: mm, I think that stigma that um the 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 old uh, view of uh, the psychiatric ward uh, is still very terrifying for mm-hmm. a lot of people, and um, it it, sh- it would be so much better if recovery uh, and support was in within the community where they are, isn't
2: it? Absolutely, absolutely, and that's that's the way the world is moving, really. And so, if we had we really planned it out well. And I and I believe there is still hope for this because this this there is there has been a change in the mindset and it's a matter of sort of planning and executing these plans that we put on paper. Uh, I think there's a lot of hope in this direction because as long as you keep it as a center, you know. Uh, uh, or rather, having the psychiatric ward as the image of provision of psychiatric services, uh, stigma is going to be a huge problem. In mm-hmm. fact, stigma is is one of the biggest barrier towards accessing. Mm. Mm, because the
1: whole Tanjong Rambutan thing, right? It absolutely. just needs to diminish and actually yeah. more built on a kind of like a patient orientated, community orientated centres in, in which is I more know. friendly. Mm.
2: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and that's the way. You know that's what's been happening in the rest of the world, and and uh, you know we, yeah. we hope that's for for sure in our country we are said we are definitely not going to build any more um, you know Tanjung, Tanjung Rambutan like
0: yeah facilities. Um, we have a caller on the line, and uh, I think he has a question about dementia. Good afternoon, LTY. Hello. Is it? Hi, LTY. It's been a long time.
1: Hello. Hello. Hello, hello LTY.
0: Uh, can you hear us?
1: Hello? Yeah, would you like to uh, ask your question, LTY? Hello?
0: Okay, I think we have some problems uh, with uh, LTY unable to hear us, but uh, if he's able to, perhaps he can call back. Or um, LTY, if you can hear us, you can pass your question over to our producer mm-hmm. in the phone booth. Um, you know, we've been talking so much about community-based services, Dr. Andrew, and I love that idea Uh, but at the same time what we heard recently uh, with the budget uh, allocations for 2023 is Mm -hmm. that uh, 34 million ringgit will be allocated for a national center of excellence for mental health now that's sort of like um, the idea of building this um, you know brand new spanking building perhaps Uh, i'm just curious to know what are your thoughts on the purpose of a center like this if it does um, see fruition
2: Mm. well uh you, you can't rule out the importance of uh, a, a, a centre um, like this, like what is being planned as well, because that's also along the lines of what's happening in other uh, countries mm-hmm. where you have a centre of excellence for a particular field or a speciality. Mm-hmm. As I understand it, this proposed centre is going to be a, a sort of a coordinating centre for research to bring experts together to formulate best practices, uh, as well as to act as a training center for mental health professionals mm-hmm. um, and to be a referral center for certain uh, disciplines within uh, mental health provision. Additionally, there is also a plan, and this is really interesting, there is a plan to bring uh, mental health non-government uh, uh, bodies uh, uh, together for coordination purposes, uh, for example, distribution of resources in in uh, uh, in, in prevention programs, as well as in disaster mitigation and responses. Mm-hmm. An example of this would be to act as a coordinating agency to ensure adequate uh, distribution of uh, community intervention and services uh, through non-government organizations and civil society in post-disaster situations. So there, there is a place for such a center, um, and, and looking at the practices in many countries, even around the region, I think such a center would serve a purpose, um, but it, particularly when, when, when you're looking at research and then, you know, coming out with cutting edge technology. And particularly, and this is really very important in mental health as opposed to other disciplines. Sorry, Dr. George, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I, I I I would like to emphasize that this this could be seen as more relevant in mental health than than buying a toy
1: or robotic surgery for <laughs> prostate cancer or anything. Absolutely. I totally agree we with you. Have
2: the advantage of that we don't. We have to fight stick you know?
1: Indeed, I totally agree with you. Earlier on, you mentioned that um, you know the distributions of the resources got to be uh, equally thought up when it comes to treatment or social provision and also prevention. Would you like to tell us a little bit about how you would recommend the government to spend money in these two areas of allocations?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, for for one thing, clearly, we have to focus on this major issue of uh, 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 lack of resources as in uh, mental health professionals in the service. That's that's something that we'll have to definitely focus on. But while we are focusing on that, I think the government might also want to think of uh, ways to retain uh, the service at, in the public um, uh, sector, uh, because there could be also a, a, you know a drain into the the. Uh, private sector, as we see in, in clinical psychologists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are areas in which there needs to be some focus. But in terms of uh, prevention yeah. uh, uh, methods, then obviously the government has to, I think with this uh, budgetary allocation, more and more emphasis should be on prevention. And uh, and uh, in terms of preventing, this would be to promote uh, good practices um, in, in in promoting mental well-being, uh, as well as to understand the nature of uh, of chronic mental health uh, uh, disorders.
1: How would you and recommend, recommend the money being spent health. for these prevention measures?
2: Well, for one thing, the 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 money can be spent through. Uh, involving community players like uh, uh, like um, uh, non-government organizations, mental health non-government organizations, uh, which are involved very much in community work. So additional funding for them, uh, mm-hmm. because they are the true agents to reach out to communities and will speak the language of the community that are more sensitive to the needs of the communities in which they work with. So I think that kind of partnership between government and non-government organizations will go a long way in promoting uh, good mental health and well-being in the community level. And and also to fight certain cultural uh, aspects of this, uh, you know, some some barriers in accessing mental health care because of cultural understanding of mental health. These are things that can be best uh, tackled uh, by, um, you know, c- c- culturally sensitive uh, non-government organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, the other aspect that can be focused on, and, and it may not necessarily mean uh, spending uh, government money on this, uh, but, oh, but more towards enlisting the role of the public, of the private sector, namely the, namely the corporate sector and companies in promoting mental well-being at the workplace, um, I think this—it's uh, also important to understand that the stakeholders in the promotion of mental health and well-being uh, cannot entirely be, uh, you know, seen to be uh, be the government agencies here. So there must be some responsibility taken by others as well. And the fact that we spend so much of time at the workplace and to most of us the jobs we do the occupations we hold uh, somehow is identified with us i mean it's so much part of our identity and a a
0: huge source of stress as well
2: absolutely so while i must say work itself is recognized as a protective factor for good mental health obviously if you're not working and you don't have you know money you're going to start worrying and that's going to cause you some mental health problems but uh, and but work itself could also be the source of your stress. And we are seeing more and more of that uh, now. And I think it's about time that there is some sort of concerted efforts here, you know, to 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 ensure that workplace mental health is also given mm. more
1: apparent after COVID, really.
2: Absolutely, Absolutely. yeah.
1: And a lot of
0: conversations in that area as well. We'll go for another quick break and uh, come back to try to take LTY's call. He's been holding, uh, and uh, hopefully we can get him on the line. Uh, we're speaking to Professor Doctor Andrew Mohanraj, President of the Malaysian Mental Health Association, about the importance of investing in mental health. Call us if you have questions or thoughts you'd like to share. Zero three double seven. Double three two nine hundred or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, t Ik and my co-host, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. Our guest today, Professor Doctor Andrew Mohanraj, President of the Malaysian Mental Health Association. We're discussing mental health and the importance of uh, allocating resources and funding in areas where uh, services and support is most needed. We have LTY on the line Good afternoon, LTY. Why do you have a question for us?
2: Good
1: afternoon, Sir. Doctor George. Good now afternoon. Long it? time no here. Yes. Yeah, What's and, your question? Uh, good afternoon to you, Professor. Yes, your uh, your question, uh, LTY. Uh, my que- I, I'm now I'm almost eighty years old. Eighty, okay. My question is about treatment for Alzheimer's and dementia. The latest uh, is the uh, is the, uh, what do you call the MRI. I am uh, a treatment, but uh, the, uh, dealing with this uh, amyloid protein and uh, tau protein and, mm. and right. uh, But I find, find that this uh, this treatment is not effective. Can you can you enlighten us? Uh, thank you so much for the question. We'll answer it off. Or, yeah, or okay. Drugs. Thank you very All much. All right, thank, thank you, LTY. You.
2: Okay. So, thank you, Mr. LTY, for that question. Oh, I didn't expect that question, but nevertheless, you caught but, off guard. <laughs> yes, but that's fine. Um, uh, you're obviously referring to Alzheimer's dementia, mm-hmm. maybe, um, and because uh, you know there could be other forms of dementia as well, but um, sadly, uh, as of now, whatever research as shown, and in terms of practice, you can, you do have various interventions to retard the process of uh, uh, worsening of the situation. Uh, nevertheless, I don't think we have mm-hmm. what is known as appropriate treatment to reverse the process mm-hmm. in any way or to improve the situation in any way. Uh, but there are other kinds of psychosocial uh, interventions uh, that can, uh, you know, support the particular individual. Mm-hmm. Um, to provide a, an environment that stimulates the individual cognitively. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are things that are possible. But it's more more uh, important for us to understand that it is a progressively worsening situation characterized mm-hmm. by irritability, what appears to be low mood, and obviously forgetfulness. Uh, and sometimes violent uh, outbursts as well as paranoia. Yeah, but um, shall we, you
1: know, obviously LTY brought up a very important point, uh, which is mm-hmm. quite a neglected area, which is elderly yes. care mental health, right? Okay, how much of a f- um, allocation of uh, resources is being distributed to elderly care mental health?
2: Mm. I don't have the details of that, but the, certainly uh, in terms of uh, you know, formalizing these services in in major hospitals in the country in the public sector, we do recognize that, and there are clearly increased number of specials, uh, specialists specialists uh, in, in in neurology and as well in psychiatry in uh, by choosing a subspecialty called geriatric uh, uh, psychiatry. So we do have uh, quite a number. I mean, a, 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 an under uh, an appreciation or a recognition that there should be more people mm. in psychogeriatrics. There are many people who have chosen this field. And also I think there is a realization that we are moving towards an aging population and we are going to see this situation uh, uh, where we have to you know tackle or, or meet the needs of uh, people in the geriatric age group. Whether we can live meet those demands i'm not sure mm. uh, because clearly that is going to be a, a major challenge mm. uh, but we must look into this more and not just uh, uh, the demands of the geriatric age groups in you know when you're talking about alzheimer's or any other uh, medical situation which which is very obvious i mean that's how the situation will be when you have people living uh, longer and longer mm. uh, but in terms of other kind of support systems like housing and, uh, you know, uh, retirement homes, mm, assisted that, yeah. living, and things like that. It has to be, you know, something that we need to seriously look at and start planning.
0: That's exactly uh, a point I wanted to get into, the social determinants of mental health rather than just investing into services yeah. per se. Um, you are looking at risk factors of mental health that occur in um, In the community itself, uh, like you said, housing uh, or lack thereof, perhaps financial instability, food insecurity, um, and for uh, older adults, perhaps the lack of social connections. Um, How do you see that uh, being invested in?
2: I think this is more, at this stage, uh, this is more in a in, in non-government intervention. I think it appears to me that, uh, you know, individuals on their own are supposed to start planning for this um, rather than having a sort of a formal uh, plan uh, as you see in many other countries. Uh, I, this is an area that we must focus on and start planning. And it could also be jointly done as uh, in in many other uh, countries, we see a a formal support system for people in the geriatric age group, either in assisted living or you know housing, and uh, accessibility to healthcare and things like that, and which can also uh, be topped up to uh, you know for want of another word, for a, you know more premium level if you want to call it that, uh, by individual contributions as well. As of now, I think we don't really have any um, effective, uh, you know, plans. Uh, but it's about time we start thinking about it.
0: And, um, you know, we are expecting the next general elections soon. <laughs> um, everybody's waiting for that announcement. But what do you hope for... The next government and, and really all the political parties and the politicians who um, are preparing their manifestos now and their campaign promises, um, <laughs> what would you expect from them for mental health?
2: Okay, that's a very good question. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, <laughs> really, to to express what the I platform
0: am. is yours. <laughs>
2: yes. Now, as George said just now, you know this tape, this bill. Oh, sorry, you said just now that uh, this 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 uh, budget you know, has to be re-tabled, obviously. And uh, then we will look into the nitty-gritty of how much that really holds for mental health. But clearly, we need, you know, our, our, traditionally we have spent like what 1% or rather the allocation for mental health has been 1% of the total health expenditure. Clearly, that's, that's, you know, we should, we should aim to, you know, for it to be at least 3%, mm-hmm. uh, you know, minimum of 3% at least um, before we move on. Uh, later, uh, but I would like to see that in the, you know that happening if at all there is a new budget that is being presented. Um, but in addition to that, there is one point that I would also like to make is that uh, leadership in mental health is extremely important. Now, when I say leadership, I don't mean uh, looking at mental health as a from the perspectives of psychiatry as a medical provision. But you've got to look at it as a concerted effort, a multi-sectorial approach towards this. Um, so, you know, while the the health minister and the health ministry plays a very crucial role here, and our discussion really today has been around uh, mental health as part of health, uh, but I'd like to take it out of health and involve other Uh, government organizations, ministries, and civil society as well. So I look at other countries, we do have, uh, uh, albeit a junior minister, but minister for mental health, different from minister for health. Uh, I would like to imagine that we one day have, uh, you know, a junior minister, deputy minister for mental health and well-being. Who could be a uh, sort of a person who either reports to the minister for community development or minister for health uh, but for give some sort of leadership in that direction which enables him or her to bring in different sectors and look at mental health as uh, something outside the health sector involving health no doubt but it also has to bring in other players. If you look at other, uh, you know, bodies like an ombudsman body for mental health, people with mental health or psychosocial issues, uh, uh, we do not have such a body. But that doesn't mean, uh, you know, there are human rights abuses in this country as far as mental health is concerned. Certainly not. At least there are no reported cases of that. But still, it is good to, uh, mm-hmm. to to follow international conventions and look at best practices in our neighbouring countries, for example, and have some sort of uh, uh, leadership in mental health, which provides uh, comfort to people, particularly those with uh, chronic psychosocial disabilities, to know. That there is a body, there is a there is a, a structure mm. for them.
0: Yeah, I think uh, we have a comment here from a listener who, and I think this really embodies that idea that mental well-being isn't just uh, about health. Uh, and says, you know, she suggests that the government or, or perhaps some NGOs start a healthy meals on wheels food delivery to the elderly who are staying alone mm. but are maybe too weak, sick, or depressed to cook. And, and that's so fundamental. We are mm-hmm. talking about a very basic need.
1: And, and probably a generation ago, that doesn't need to be implemented because those are the things that we look out for each uh, our neighbors, right?
0: Mm, we've yes, lost that we sense of community as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. but you know what? We can regain that sense of community. I think the time has come. This is the fact that we are having this conversation today. I'm sure your station is a very popular station. There are many people out there is going to listen to this, and then maybe. You know, from tomorrow onwards, say hello to your neighbor. We've never. We never can start. We can start with you. that, can't but we? A hello. Right now, and you know, providing food on wheels because sometimes uh, people, marginalized groups or, you know, vulnerable communities, geriatric age group, people living alone, may not be uh, motivated to do things like this. And providing them with food is just not giving them sustenance, but is actually reaching out to them providing a hand of friendship and, and, and connections. And that's what mental health is all about, really.
0: Mm. Mm, fantastic. Um, can I very quickly uh, get a final message from each of you, Dr. Andrew?
2: A message from me? Yep, it's a really final good. message. Oh, well, okay. Uh, final message. Um, this, the, the prior, this year, our theme for World Mental Health Day is making mental health and well-being a priority, and this is a global message. For Malaysian Mental Health Association, we have chosen our theme to be making mental health and well-being a priority at the workplace. Simply because mental health and well-being at the workplace has become something that that we sweep under the carpet and do not think about, but it does affect us, it affect our communities, our families, and affects the productivity of the organisation that we work for. Therefore, I would urge everyone to have a a look at mental health and well being and at the workplace and make it a priority. Thank you. George?
1: Shall we? I mean, uh, obviously, uh, World Mental Health Day is very important. We celebrate or we uh, highlight this every year. But what I'm hearing today, it's very different because I think all along, we keep asking for more money, more resources, more resources. However, what I'm hearing from Andrew today are two things that are very important. Number one, it's not just allocations to the uh, specialists. This is crucial. And the community distribution is a lot more crucial. And I really think that needs to change a little bit in terms of allocation. The second thing I'm really hearing is that it's actually not just the money that will make all the difference. Although what you highlighted, 1% out of all the healthcare budget, you wanted 3%. But no matter how many percent we throw in, if we are in a kind of like a very disconnected community none of that money is going to make any difference. So at the end of the day, it always boils down to that human touch that actually keeps everyone sane and keeps everyone mental health healthy. Mm,
0: The connection. That's
1: right. And then hopefully, you know, it's not just about money and hopefully the Anomalation Mental Health um, uh, Association Association. can actually champion a lot more of these non-money related um, initiatives to get the whole country connected again.
0: Absolutely. Malaysian Mental Health Association do have very, very excellent initiatives. I would suggest um, that you check out their social media pages and their website to find out more about what they do. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today. Professor Dato, Dr. Andrew Mohan President of the Malaysian Mental Health Association as well as a clinical psychiatrist and my co-host, Dr. George Lee, Consultant Urologist. You've been listening to Health and Living on BFM 89.9.